Just by a quick show of hands, how many of you would say that this is your favorite parable? (laughs) Nobody? Nobody's going to say that this is their favorite parable? I can't say that I'm surprised. We have had a few weeks of parables like this, challenging ones. Parables that are a bit uncomfortable, ones that seem too much about judgment and even a little bit unfair. So, of course, the collect for today would remind us that all Holy Scripture is written for our learning and that we should hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this parable and make it part of our life. And in this parable, we have a master entrusting his slaves with various amounts of talents before leaving on a journey. Two of the servants invest their talents and double them, while the third buries it out of fear. When the master returns, he commends the first two servants for their faithfulness, but condemns the third for his fearfulness and his lack of initiative. Too often, I think that we hear this parable misused in support of what we often call the prosperity gospel or to justify a capitalist ideal. And many times, we even take the word talent here and apply it to all of those things which we are able to do artistically or professionally. But this is not a talent of ability or skill. God is not reminding us to put our talents to good use for the work of the kingdom here. In the ancient world, instead, a talent was an astronomical amount of money, equivalent to somewhere between five and 20 years of wages for a common laborer. Imagine if you were suddenly given five to 20 years of your wages all at once. So when the master distributes these talents he is entrusting them with a substantial amount of wealth. And it underscores the responsibility that these servants bear. As we engage with this text, I'd like to explore how it encourages us in our relationship with God more than anything. By thinking about the nature of the talents, the response of the servants, and the meaning of trusting in God. These talents represent an abundant gift, a blessing. And certainly we could think broadly about these blessings. They might be financial resources or time to volunteer with different ministries or abilities that are specific and valuable, relationships, anything good that comes from God. But the point is, is that God is generous. The point is that God is generous and that the servants here and each of us are entrusted with these gifts for a purpose. Considering that Thanksgiving is just a few days away, it's good to remember that God is generous in creation, in grace, and in forgiveness. What do we do with all of this abundance? Because of the language that is used I think we have this distorted interpretation that appreciates, that associates these gifts only with financial success or individual achievement. They've done something with the money. And maybe that's our problem, to think solely in terms of money. We must remember, though, that the parables often turn normal things upside down. They challenge our perspective, and Jesus is usually telling us something new. 
It's not about the wealth that is entrusted to each servant. It's that the master is intentional with the distribution. It is no mistake that you have been blessed with the gifts that you have. The nature of these talents is that they are gifts to you. They don't come from you. They were never yours to hold on to, but they are yours to use. So what do we make of the servant's response? The first two, of course, double the talents. They are faithful and diligent. And they represent an action of understanding, understanding that they have been given a blessing to do something with. It's not theirs to hoard, it's theirs to manage. And I think that we get that with these first two. The master is pleased with them and what they've done. What's troubling is what happens to the third slave. We see the master respond harshly. He seems demanding. The servant is paralyzed with fear. But what was the problem? He returned his gift just as he received it. But in not using this incredible gift, the servant fails to recognize the inherent potential within the gift that is entrusted to him. The problem here isn't that the master is harsh and demanding. It's that the servant perceives the master as harsh and demanding. It's at this point that I wish Jesus would have told this parable differently. I wonder what our experience with it would be if the last servant had squandered away all of that money, if he had lost it on a risk or used it to do something for someone and ended up with less or nothing or maybe even in debt. What would Christ's response have been to that? Would the servant, like so many other figures in scripture, have been presented with the clear and unimaginable grace that we know God gives? Possibly. But it seems that Jesus is not telling us about God's grace or forgiveness here, but about instead our relationship with that grace. I think the parable challenges us to reflect on our own response to the gifts God has given us. What do we do with grace? What do you do with it? Do you deny it constantly and say that you're not worthy? Christ has made you worthy. Do you say that you don't deserve it? No one does, and that's the entire point. Do you hide it and bury it and forget it like some awful pirate bearing treasure on a desert isle? Or do you live into that grace? Do you enjoy it? Do you take joy in what God has blessed you with? Do you enter the joy of your master? Do you give thanks? The servant's response to these gifts shows what they believe about God, about grace, and about the salvation that they have been given through Christ. And it reminds us to think about our own perception of these very same things. Finally, we come to what it means to trust God. At the core, this parable is about trust, trusting in the character of the master, Jesus, trusting in the goodness of God, grace, and trusting in the purpose behind the gifts we receive, 
accepting that grace. The first two servants don't let fear or doubt hinder them. They trust their master's intentions. It's the third servant, the one who not only lacks trust, but completely ignores it and pushes it away. He prevents himself from experiencing the joy of partnership with the master. Like many parables we've heard before or in the past few weeks, it's a rejection of God's invitation to community. It's a rejection of the wedding banquet. It's a rejection of living with the love that God pours out over us. It's almost as if, it's almost as if the last servant waits to give this talent back to God saying, here it is, it's yours again, I don't want it, I don't want anything to do with it. It's all there, leave me alone. But that's not why it was given in the first place. And that has consequences in the real world. It pushes us away from others in our daily lives. It does not share God's grace with others. It does not embrace community and hospitality. And that, I think, reverberates into local and national and international consequences. What happens when we hoard grace and we ignore it? One of the things I think we also often miss about this parable is that the fact that the master goes away for a long time. These gifts are not only large sums of money, but they are over long periods of time. In our culture, we have become unaccustomed to waiting. We are a culture that lacks patience, a culture where everything is fulfilled in one to two days of Amazon Prime shipping. And we, mu we must remember that grace works over time. We see grace, we see God's blessings unfold, we see the fruits of our faith unfold over time. We see this abundance and grow when it is shared. I'm reminded of these words from earlier in Matthew's gospel. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In the case of this parable, perhaps our treasure, or how we use it, is supposed to be with others. Perhaps the gift of this parable reminds us where our thanks lies, and that we can approach life with confidence, knowing that God is gracious, his gifts are abundant, and that as a community of believers, we are called to actively engage with this treasure, a blessing that God has given to us in our discipleship, in our missions, in our prayers, because we continue today to be entrusted with these same talents, with the same grace. So my prayer is that we may all trust the one who gives us this grace and give thanks, always give thanks for the blessing of this life. Amen.